0: With eyes unclouded by hate. Does not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice. Hello everyone, my name's Charlie, and you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And today we're continuing our read, The Prophet, by Khalil Gibran, picking up with the chapter on Clothes. If you would like to read along with me, the book is now in the public domain, so if you do a search for The Prophet, going to the text. And the weaver said, speak to us of clothes. And he answered, Your clothes conceal much of your beauty, yet they hide not the unbeautiful. And though you seek in garments the freedom of privacy, you may find in them a harness, a chain. Would that you could meet the sun and the wind with more of your skin and less. For the breath of life is in the sunlight and the hand of life. So are we going to go there? Yeah, we are. This is where we start to talk more about relation and how we encounter it and what the text is saying here is quite simple profound even though it seems so easy for people to forget that this is true it doesn't matter how finely dressed you are it will never un. it will never hide the lack of compassion or any dastardly or criminal acts the participate, and while we think that our clothes are bringing us a sense of privacy. We are often tied to them in our inability to escape the waves of fashion. And I'm not saying that fashion is a bad thing, and don't check out. I'm not one of those people that says that we should avoid aesthetic care for how we look. I, I think that that is an important part of our self-identity. But the problem is steps in when we are too tied to that aesthetic to the point where allow it to overshadow everything else in our lives. Fashion can be expensive and we can cut corners on things that ought not have corners cut on to afford it. We need to be careful. I love this idea that we should meet the sun and the wind with more of our skin and less of our raiment For the breath of life is in the sunlight, and the hand of life is in the wind. There is a freedom that comes from meeting nature in our natural states. And I'm not saying that everyone should be a nudist or an exhibitionist or anything like that. But there is a certain life that when we encounter nature on its own terms and without putting too many barriers, returning to the text. Some of you say, it is the north wind who has woven the clothes we wear and i say aye, it was the north but shame was his loom and the softening of the sinew was and when his work was done he laughed forget not that modesty is a shield against the eye of the unclean and when the unclean shall be no more what were modest but a fetter and a fouling of the moth and forget not that the earth delights to feel your bare feet and the wind long to play with. This is an interesting way to talk about this because th- this is the double-edged sword of modesty that often comes about in any of our discussions of it. Modesty exists to protect a person from the eye of the unclean because there are those who refuse to control their own carnal urges and feel justified by looking at another person and how they choose to present them. And what we forget, and what we are not teaching and ingraining in our society, is there's a wonderful phrase that we encounter in fandom that is appropriate here, and that's cosplay is not consent. Just because somebody has decided to dress up in a particular costume does not, in fact, give you consent to take pictures of them, to harass them, be rude, crude or vulgar. And so you still have to ask permission. And that is true with everything. Clothing is not consent. And there's a big difference between what we wear and what we agree others are allowed to do to with and around us. And for some reason that seems to be a hard concept for some people get it through their heads. But this is where modesty can become a chain. If we are dressing a certain way so that others do not act out of their baser instinct, then we can constrain our ability to express who we really are. Take, for example, a trans person who is at the beginning of their transition. Well, they wish to wear clothing that some may see as inappropriate for their gender. In that concern, a certain type of modesty may be born in them, and they may hide those inclination. That hiding is not a good thing for them psychologically, and is not a good thing for us as a culture and a society. People should be allowed to be themselves, especially in ways that harm no one else. It doesn't matter how one person chooses to present them. If they wish to dress in a certain way, they should be allowed to do so. Modesty can chain and hold down certain parts of society. Women especially, who feel the brunt of the carnal baser instincts of the male of the species, often find themselves desiring to dress modestly so they do not incur the taunts and jeers of the male gender. And that's problematic. That's extremely problematic, because the onus should not be on the person who wears the clothes, but the person who has the unclean spirit upon them, the person who has yet to bridle their urges, it is possible for a person to control what goes through their mind and what comes out their mouth. It's possible for most people to control their own actions, with a few exceptions for some medical conditions, but for the vast majority of people, they are able to contain their actions. So for someone to be forced to dress in a way that they do not feel is appropriate simply because they do not want to incite others who in their antisocial nature refuse to control themselves and moderate their own actions and treat others as property, uh, that steals a lot. Let us continue from the text new chapter on buying and selling. And a merchant said, Speak to us of buying and selling. And he answered and said, To you the earth yields her fruit, and you shall not want, if but know how to fill you. And if in exchange the gifts of the earth, that you shall find abundance and be satisfied. Yet unless the exchange be in love and kindly justice, it will but lead to some greed, and others to hunger. Oh my, yeah. This is one of the most problematic things that we have in our society, culture, and world today. That we have the ability to feed everyone on the face of because of greed, because it doesn't make sense in a capitalistic context, to distribute that food to everybody who needs it. We simply throw it away and let it go to waste. And you might not realize that that's the thing. Most of the scarcities that are trumpeted in this world are artificial. With the exception of the scarcity of fresh water, diamonds should be cheap. They are simply hoarded by a few companies so that they can keep the price artificially inflated. The same is true with food, housing, there are more ho- there's more open housing than there are people looking for home but it makes more sense in our current economic situation for those houses to lay open and unused than to put people in them and that is a foul way to exist as a species we have to learn to distribute what we have so that there are not people in abject want of the basic necessities of life. Continuing from the text, When in the marketplace the toilers of the sea and fields and vineyards meet the weavers and the potters and the gatherers of spices, invoke them, the master spirit, to come into your midst and sanctify the scales and the reckoning that weighs value against. Now, this is something that we've talked about a lot. This very notion that we have to learn exist in this world with compassion and with equity and that we do not put one person above another. And as I just said with the example of diamonds, there are many commodities in this world that are given over inflation. Their scarcity is mandated by either corporate monopoly or in some cases by law. We have to be very careful how we are dealing with the thing. We have to learn to see the world as it is and to treat everything as it should be. And in so doing, we will quickly learn that there might be better ways for us to food in the housing to make sure everyone has what they need to get by in their lives. We may learn that the artificial hierarchies and pricing that we put forth really don't matter. And sometimes they do. There are certain things like saffron that are very expensive because, well, it takes a lot of growing to make a very little bit of product. So, after a fashion, it makes sense that that, pro- that, that produce is more expensive than others. But, again, to go back to diamonds, they are so common that they really shouldn't be worth much of anything. But to keep the mythological idea of the rarity gems... We've allowed corporate monopolies and cartels to hoard them and to keep them out of the public's hands so that they can charge exorbitant prices. This is where we call the spirit of the earth to testify and to balance the scale. Your artificial scarcity really does nothing but inflate your own profit and does not help us at all to live in We'll pick this up after And we're back. So let's go back and suffer not the barren handed to take part in your transaction, who would sell their word for your labor. To such men, you should say, come with me to the field and or go with our brothers to the sea and cast for the land and the sea shall be bountiful if you, I'm sorry, to you even. Now, this is a very interesting idea here. And poses issues for someone like me very clearly is exchanging my words. And I do this quite often. I'm a novelist by trade and I run several podcasts. So I try to trade my words as my labor. That's really what I do. I don't think, and this could be my own self-surveying eyes here, and I would love to get your opinions on this, I don't think that that's actually what the prophet is referring to. To me, This sounds much more like the idea of a landlord or someone who really doesn't make anything. Those weird, bizarre managerial positions that we put into place, the various false hierarchies that rule our lives, where it's really only their words that they have. You know, I at least produce novels and poetry. I I spend my, my life... Working on ideas and trying to bring forth better and deeper understanding and wonder in people. Yet we have so many positions of so called power, and that don't really do. You have the bankers, you have landlords, you have the various holding companies that exist simply shove words around on paper and produce nothing except for profit for those who already have. And what I think the prophet is saying here is that. We should all produce something, and that something should have value. If we're simply moving paper around, if we're simply just monopolizing words for the sake of saying, when they don't actually do anything or make anything better, we really should go out into the fields or out to the sea and bring in our food and wealth that way. Continuing from the... And if there come the singers and dancers and flute players by of their gifts also. For they too are gatherers of fruit and fragrance, and that which they bring, though fashioned of dreams, is raiment of soul. This is what I was getting at earlier when I said that I didn't think that he was referring to be right. And I think it's important to have people amongst us who help us to dream. I know I wouldn't be able to do any of the things that I do without the countless and other artists who inspire me and keep me moving and motivated throughout my life. It is a powerful and important task that we undertake when we desire returning to the text. And before you leave the marketplace, see that no one has gone his way with empty hands. For the master spirit of the earth shall not sleep peacefully upon the wind until the needs of the least of you are satisfied. This is the basic problem that we all face as a people and as a society because it's so easy for us to justify through various means why people have and have not. And to quote authorities that we don't even know who they are as authority, one of my personal favorite things, especially in Christian circles, is how often I have heard Saint Paul quoted to say, "If they do not work, don't let them." And I, I feel obligated every time I hear that said to point out that that was Benjamin Franklin, not Saint Paul. And we don't even know if Benjamin Franklin meant, meant that that was included in a long list of aphorisms that he wrote for his almanac. And well, he had a publishing schedule as long as it was witty or at least sounded it went into the book and so why do we let people go hungry why do we let people go without health care why do we let people go homeless and it sounds harsh to say that it is but very often it is greed and it may not be our greed it may be the greed of others that control the market. It may be the greed of others who bribe the politicians, enshrine their own power into the system so that they can do and have all the things that they want to do and have. But it is greed nonetheless. It is a power that robs and steals, makes a mockery of justice, especially in a world where so much abundance exists, that there are those that hunger and thirst, and shiver in the cold, and bake in the heat, when there are things that we do to save them, when there are things that we can do to help them. The basic problems of this world are hard for us to look at, and hard for us to see, because we don't want to feel our own implicence with them. And maybe that is the root sin of the world. Maybe that is our own Original sin as a society, at least in our in its in our current state, but that's the beauty of life in this world. Things that are don't have to. Things can change. And of course, the prophet goes on into our next chapter on crime and punishment. And because we don't have much time left in this episode, and that chapter is long, I am not going to completely. I'm not going to go into it yet. We're going to save that for the next episode. But you have to remember that justice is the work that we are about in this world. That kindness, that compassion are the root of everything that we do. If we are to work in all of our actions for the Olam Chabah, for the world to come. If we are going to restore and rectify the world to God. If we are going to perform the great Tikkun tikkun Olam the rectification of the world. Then we have to seek out the divine sparks, the little pieces of the divine light scattered throughout the cosmos, and restore them to their beauty. We have to pull them from the muck and the dirt, and shine them so that they glow, and hold them up in everlasting splendor, and rejoice at the beauty of the world. These are the tasks that we And when we think too much about our clothing or our place in the market, we are easily distracted from the task that is set before us. Fashion is a beautiful thing, but denying people basic clothing is a problem. Telling people what they have to wear is tyranny. Taking food from someone because they can't afford it is tyranny. And all of these tyrannies are allowed to persist in our world, and we don't do anything about why. Because it's easier or not. Out of sight, out of mind. We only think about hunger when we are hungry, because it's easier for us that way. If, when we thought about hunger, we thought about the poor children in Yemen that are starving and will die, probably in the million. Oh, that breaks the heart. And we don't want our hearts to be broken, so we don't look... At the demons that haunt the market. My sisters and brothers, the markets are filled. This is one of those moments that every time I think about the market, I, I just hear Melisandre from Game of Thrones. The night is dark and full of terrors. Except for instead of saying night, she says market. Because the market is dark and full of terrors. There are horrible things in there. People who with their words are wanting to rob you of your basic livelihood. They don't care whether you live or you die, so long as they profit from whatever the outcome. And that intrinsic greed is a bane to our society. It is a bane to our civilization. It is a bane to our people, to our common humanity. It is something that we need to control, and it is something that we need to check. It is a power that we have, should we choose to use it. The world can be a many-splendorous thing. Because it already is only we have covered it with muck and with dirt and it needs to be shined and res- to its and that is the task that we are here to I hope you enjoyed this episode if you did and the app that you listen to me on allows you to rate either this episode or this podcast that helps me out a lot it tells the algorithm that it should share podcast with if you have a buck you can throw my way depending on the app that you're listening to me on there'll either be a button that says support or on Anchor. If you click that link, you will be able to help support me at the $1, $5, $10 levels. That money goes to me and helps. I want to say thank you for Ben supporting me through this process. It really does mean the world to me. If you don't have the money to throw my way, that's fine. I really don't do this podcast for money. I don't. I do it because I love talking about these things, and I think the topics that need to be discussed. But one thing you could do for me is pray. Your prayer has power. and Don't let anyone ever convince you otherwise. And I do benefit from all of you. Also, if you know anybody who you think would benefit from this podcast, please do that. I've got a lot of projects that I'm wanting to do this year for Wisdom's Cry, and hopefully everything will line up so that I'll be able to do them. If you're not already familiar with what I've built over there, if you go to wisdomscry.com, you'll find links to my various projects, as well as my social media accounts over there, and some resources that I've already put up to help with our spiritual quest to find line to find it more. If you have any questions or comment, I'd love to hear them. If you go to anchor.fm and download the Anchor app, follow me on Wisdom's Cry on there. You can leave me a voice message up to one minute long. It can be a question, a comment, or a topic you'd like to hear me discuss on. I would love to hear from you. Keep it clean, and I will probably use it on the show. I do enjoy doing shows based on And until next time, may God bless you and keep you ever growing in wisdom and compassion.